I went, uh, I, I went rock climbing in uh, Sydney uh, in the Blue Mountains uh, a few months ago, and I was I was relatively new to the sport at the time. And uh, uh, at, when, when we did it, uh, I was relatively new when we tackled a, uh, a reasonably challenging abseil down about about a 30 metre face. Um, if if you've ever been to the Blue Mountains, you know that the the cliffs there are incredible. Um, and I can, I can just distinctly remember in my mind standing uh, on the top of, uh, of this uh, face, examining the setup, uh, looking over the edge, trembling, uh, filled with fear, just thinking, I was just thinking one thing, I really hope this rope doesn't break. Because <laughs> that's just going to suck, right? Like that, I mean, what an inconvenience, you know? Like that would just be, it would be so inconvenient for me to be just starting over the, uh, the edge of this face and uh, like 30 meters, it's just too much for me to handle. I just, I, I don't have the guts for it, literally. Uh, and and I, I had hope that day uh, and it was fulfilled. Uh, I had a hope in something in particular and it was fulfilled. And, and uh, if, if you think about it, January is a really hopeful time. Um, sort of culturally and personally, we think about the year to come and we think about um, maybe when we'll, we'll uh, holiday and, and what's coming up for us and things that we're aspiring uh, toward. Uh, we, we think about hopes. Uh, maybe we even plan a little bit, or some of us a lot. Uh, we find ourselves hoping for things. I wonder what you're hoping for. I wonder what, in, in your heart and in your mind, what are the things that you're hoping for? I hope we're having Mexican for dinner tonight. That's me every day. Um, I, I was hoping that you would have done dot, dot, dot. Uh, maybe it's something relationally. I'm hoping to start on a new project at work. I'm hoping to develop a relationship. We're all hoping for something, aren't we? And, and I'm, I guess I'm, I'm standing here wondering today if that hope is true or if it's misdirected, if it's a false hope. Because uh, we know really well when, when, when life gets hard or, or tough or when we're faced with challenges, uh, we need hope, don't we? We need something to cling to, something, some sort of certainty to cling to, to, to lead us. So I want you to examine with me today. I want you to examine with me today what is biblical hope? What is it? What is our hope as Christians? If you believe in Jesus this morning, if you believe that you uh, have a new life, you live a new life in Christ, what is your hope? And, and, and uh, just a little bit uh, narrower, what is your hope for this year? What do you hope for? So I want to start in the Bible and I want to unpack a, a definition for us uh, biblically and then, and then just explore that uh, for a little while. I've only got a, a little bit of time, so uh, uh, hang in there. Uh, let's open up to 1 Peter 1, 3. Love us to start here and look at one other passage and then create a, a context for biblical hope. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, so what we can draw pretty simply from this uh, verse, from this understanding, is we were hopeless and we were without God 
before Christ, outside of Christ, uh, and in the resurrection of Jesus, when Jesus resurrected, right, the end of verse 3, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, those who confess faith, who were born again, we are born again to a living hope. So there's something new that wasn't there before, right? So that's a, a fairly basic uh, understanding, a fairly basic premise. Is hope is a new reality that the Christian now lives with. Think about, just, just pause for a second and think about the, the change. Think about the movement from death to life uh, for just a second. I was uh, reading a little bit of R.C. Sproul uh, the last couple of weeks, just remembering his ministry. And he has this beautiful uh, little picture that he uses and he's used regularly when he talks about salvation. He says, God doesn't just throw a life preserver to a drowning person. That's the picture we have, right? Salvation is I was drowning and I needed, you know, I was gasping for air and I needed someone to rescue me. He says, he goes to the bottom of the sea and pulls a corpse from the bottom, takes him up on the bank, breathes into him the breath of life and makes him alive, right? Let's just clarify that. When we start thinking about a new hope, this isn't something that is replenished or reinvigorated this is a living hope so those who are alive in Christ we live now with a new heart in a new family with a new identity with new desires and a new hope that's something that is new to us what you had before wasn't living it wasn't a living hope it was a dead hope you had no hope you were without hope. Yeah, sure, you still hoped in things, but they were insufficient. They were misdirected. They were false hope. Your lasting hope was in vain. That is true of all of those outside of Christ. But in Christ, you now have a living hope. In the same way, think about Christmas, right? Christmas isn't over in a day. Christmas is a, is a season. In the same way that Christ's birth was this spark of hope for humanity your rebirth in jesus your salvation his redemption of you it's a spark of hope across your life and it lights up every area it floods across your life with hope and expectation that's what salvation does if jesus could bring me from death to life i wonder what else he could do so hope, just a really basic definition uh, to start with. Hope in Scripture is a confident expectation for the future. And it, and it can describe both the act of hoping and the object hoped for. It's the anticipation of a future outcome. Think about this for a second. It's not, it's not hope like, well, I really hope it happens. You know, it'd be really nice. I really, I, I'm hoping that... Dot, 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 right? There's a, there's a real uh, uncertainty there, isn't there, in a lot of the things that we hope for. Well, I hope that, listen to it, right? Hope is not that. Hope is, now God has promised this, and I'm really confident in that. I am unshakably confident in this thing, in this truth. So hope is a new way of seeing the world. Hope is a set of glasses that you receive when you're saved, and you look through them and the whole world looks different it's a new framework through which to view the world now that's that's nothing uh too groundbreaking 
But the question here, and, the, and here is where I want to challenge us, is, is what are we hope for? So if that's what hope is, if, if hope is a confident expectation or an anticipation of a future outcome, what is it that we are actually clinging to? What is the thing, what is the object that we're hoping for this year? Put it in context, this week, what are you, what are you hoping for? What do you hope for? I'll give you five seconds. I'm going to ask you that question again in about 15 minutes, and, I'll, and I'll, I just want you to reflect on that. Turn to 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8. We're going to just examine a little bit here, um, looking at biblical hope. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Verses 8, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we'd received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril And He will deliver us. On Him, we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. Now, to give you a little bit of context here, we don't know exactly what the affliction was that that Paul's talking about here. Uh, There's a few sort of uh, uh, conjectures. Some think that maybe it was uh, one of his many beatings from the Jews. He received, you know, he talks about it uh, elsewhere in, in his letters. He received five times the... Um, 40 minus 1 lashes, right? He received a lot of beatings. Um, some sort of suggest it was that. Some suggest it was a, a conflict he had with some silver myths, uh, silversmiths uh, that he mentions in Acts. Um, we don't really know, but either way, we know from Paul's story that there is substance to this, that there is a, a deep substance to this suffering. It was really significant. So you don't, you don't just read past that and go, oh, okay, affliction, yeah, 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 great, great. Okay, so we've set our hope on God. Yeah, great. Okay, cool. Set your hope on God. That's really good. I, that's what I should do today, Matt. I should set my hope on God. Is that it? You know, we're done? Like, is it morning tea? No, no, no. That's, we're just going to get into that a little bit deeper because we don't want to miss that. So Paul resolves this on him. So he talks about this suffering. He talks about that it was so utterly burdening to him that he felt like it felt like death it felt like the sentence of death so paul resolves this on him god like this last verse on him god we have set our hope we look to god as our hope that he will deliver us again that god will deliver us when we need it Think about the words that he is using here. Just, just pause and just think about the words that he is using. Deliver. Wow. Is that deliverance? Oh, really? Feeling so burdened that it felt like death? Like, is that the picture of deliverance to you? Is that what you think of when you think deliverance? When you think rescue, is it what Paul is saying? We were so 
utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. God, would you take my life? This is too much. Is that deliverance? Really? Like that's, that's like undercooked chicken, you know? Like once was enough. Like that's, I just can't go back there. Like no more, thank you. So Paul's hope really clearly here is that God will deliver us. He says the word three times in one verse. What does this mean? That's the challenge for us this morning. What does this mean? Let's, uh, let's firstly consider what this means in our setting today. If you uh, ask someone, uh, deliver. Um, it's for us to, to, to ground it in English, it's really similar to the word rescue. So just forget about the postman for a second. What's the, what's the mental picture you get when you think about rescue or deliver? Just, just think about that in your mind for a moment. rescue or deliver i think of um i think of like a chopper in the ocean right like i think of um of like uh uh the coast guard in the chopper coming down to rescue someone i think of a hand reaching down someone rescuing someone right someone's drowning in a pool someone's reaching in over there and it's monkey grip you know like it's it's this it's this um incredible reaching down into someone's uh, trouble and rescuing them. That's the mental picture I have. I wonder what it is for you when you think of that. The word deliver here that, that Paul's using is ruamai. Uh, and do you know the meaning that he attaches to this word? Do you, know the, do you know the mental picture that Paul has when he uses this word? Do you know the picture that the Greeks had? To draw to oneself. Think about that. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. My hope in my trouble, listen to Paul, in my darkest hours, in the trouble that feels like death, in the moments of despair that grip my heart in discouragement, in suffering, in persecution, is that God will reach down into my setting and reach for me and He will draw me to Himself. He will take me unto Himself to guard me, to preserve my life, to reach for me, to give me refuge and shelter, to shepherd me to restore me. Can you hear the psalmist? Can you hear the, re the reality of the psalms in this? This is hope in God. This is what hope in God is. Psalm 33, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His steadfast love that He may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. What a God. What a God who delivers people like this. The depths of his wisdom and knowledge. If this is the reality for Paul, if this is what deliverance is, if deliverance is reaching down into his situation and drawing Paul unto himself, what are we missing? What are we missing today? What is our hope missing? Think about the focus and intensity of this hope. What's the faith statement underneath all of that? What's underlying Paul's hope. What is he really hoping for? 
I think, I think he's hoping for this. Being close to God matters to me more than anything else in my life. My, my heart, my soul, staying close to God is the thing that is most important to me. And I could not stand being separated from Him. I couldn't survive. I could not survive if He separated Himself from me. I could not survive. For the sake of relationship with God, I will endure anything. You know a really, really simple way of saying that? Death is gain. Right? He talks about this in Philippians 1. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by, le- by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Great. If I live in the flesh, if I'm alive, there is work to be done. There is fruitful labor to be done. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Isn't is that, like, is that even in the corner of your mind this morning? That just seems so distant to me. That reality, it seems so difficult to wrap my head around. Is death gain for you in the sense that your greatest hope is to be with Christ? This year is your greatest hope to be with Christ, to have Christ cling to you, to have Christ draw himself, sorry, draw you unto himself. Or do you have a few things to finish up first? Have you got a few really important goals that you'd rather get to? A few key relationships? A few business plans to develop? Maybe. Maybe there's a few aspirations that you'd like to pursue first. Would death be gained for you this week? Matthew 16, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's, we know that really well. Listen to the way that John says this. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. To hope in God is to let go of your life. To have it fall away from you. To have it stripped back to regard it as meaningless and in that distance in that separation to find it you will find life you will know true fellowship with god Uh, this is this was my prayer this week as i was um as i was thinking about this god would you Do not allow me to cling to my life this year. Do what you must that I might not cling to my life this year. Let's let's summarize Paul and then and then maybe draw just a couple of really quick applications from this. My this is this is what I would give to you as Paul's summary, as as a as a 
uh, a statement from Paul when he talks about hope. My hope for this year is that Christ would be honored in my body, living or dying, because I belong to him. I am his, and he will deliver me in every circumstance that I would die before I hope in anything more than you. God, don't let me deceive myself. So this, look, here's the challenge for us. Here is the challenge this morning. Biblical hope doesn't necessarily look like preventing or producing a circumstance. But preserving the Christian throughout it. Just think about that. Biblical hope doesn't necessarily look like preventing or producing a circumstance, but preserving the Christian throughout it. Listen to uh, Paul again in 2 Timothy 2, right? This is uh, Paul writing 2 Timothy, awaiting execution. He's, He's likely in Rome, he's in prison, he's awaiting execution. And Paul says this in chapter 4, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. Thanks a lot, brothers. May I not be charged against them. Sorry, that's, I, that's me adding in that section, right? That's not what Paul's saying. It's a little comment there. May I not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. This next section here, this is a hope statement. My hope is... My hope is, this is Paul, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory. So if uh, if your hope vanishes, if your hope thins, if your hope evaporates when trouble comes, it probably isn't biblical hope. And you, you may well need to repent of that. In an ongoing manner. If your hope disappears, if it's like a dark room when trouble comes, it's, it's probably not biblical hope. Is it a confident expectation? Is that what you feel in your heart? So let me ask you again, what are you hoping for? Just, just stop and just think about that in your mind this year. What are you hoping for? What do you really want? Because underneath, aren't we all the same? Like, don't we all, ultimately, ultimately in our hearts, don't we hope for God? Don't these longings and these groanings in our heart, don't they lead us to God? The one who created us to walk with Him, to be known by Him, to be loved by Him, to be strengthened by Him. Think about the trouble that we face. Aren't those things the thing that we really hope for? That someone would walk with us? That someone would know us, that someone would love us, that someone would strengthen us. Don't we hope for a savior? Someone to rescue us, someone to reach down and rescue us to right the wrongs in the world and overcome the evil in our hearts? What do you really want? What are you really hoping for this year? Let me just speak to you practically for just a couple of minutes and then... Um, we'll wrap it up. 
Let me just give you a couple of things not to hope for this year. Three things not to hope for. Don't, don't hope for success. Don't hope for riches. 1 Timothy 6, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on, a certain, sorry, on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Don't, uh, as you plan for the year, as you think about the year to come, don't set your expectations on money. Just don't do it. You may make money. Yeah, great. You may not. Either way, it all belongs to God. He is the one who provides for you this year. He is the one who walks with you and sees what you need. So push back the hopes of riches. Push against it. Don't just set your hopes on things going well. Success is going to come and go, right? Things will go well. Things will go poorly. Trouble will come. In this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. Let's redeem the phrase, the best is yet to come, right? Some people may get a bad taste in their mouth when they hear that because of the way it's been used in the past. What a tragedy of the, sometimes the way we use that word, the best is yet to come. What a misunderstanding. Yes, the best is yet to come, absolutely. Unlike without any, like without a thought, without a doubt, without anything there, the best is absolutely yes, yet to come. But it's not what you think it is. It is so truly not what you think it is. Set your confident expectations on God this year. Who is your provider? Number two, don't hope in wickedness or evil. Jeremiah 23, 16. The, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. Who are the prophets of our day who fill us with vain hopes? Who says to us, despise God, follow your heart and it'll be well with you. Wow. You almost can't see the horizon for the voices and voices and voices of false prophets that say this to us. Your obedience doesn't really matter. Let your heart guide you. Live the life you want now. God, God will give you what you want. Think about yourself for a moment. Wrong. Your sin will destroy you. Your disobedience will bring you to ruin and your pride will corrupt you. Do not hope in wickedness. Do not think it'll be okay. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I'll just depend a little bit on that. I'll just set my hopes in that. Without a doubt, your sin will bring ruin this year. Three, do not hope in strength or ability. Psalm 33, the king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation and by its great might, it cannot rescue. Your strength cannot rescue your wicked heart. Your abilities, your gifts, your greatness, your wisdom, your power, they cannot save you. Do not put your hope in them this year. 
Yes, yes, God will be pleased to use them. Absolutely. But let him lead you in that. Submit your plans to God. I'll get the music team up. Um, Just let me wrap up with this. Where is your hope for this year to come? When you think about the year, are you hoping for more success, for growth, for greater comfort, for relationships, for personal fulfillment, for fruitfulness? These can be really good things, right? They are good things, but they are not the ultimate thing. Christ is our hope this year. Let's cling to Him. As as we think about what is to come, as we think about what is happening for ourselves and for our families and our, our careers and our relationships, our hope rests on this child, this baby boy growing up to live and die and resurrect from death according to God's plan. That Christ might restore us to God. Awaken yourself. Let your prayer be an awakening of hope, a new reality that you live within. Let me read you a um, a quote uh, from a a book that I've been reading and um, then um, just ask you a few questions. I've been reading a book about the way technology is changing us and um, he's talking about the false hopes of... uh, technology and, and media but this it just is such a, a bigger world within what he's saying here let me let me read it to you and you'll understand it's worth reminding ourselves that the substance of our hope is not found in the latest visible spectacles on our glowing rectangles instead our hearts delight in and relish a Christ we cannot yet see a Christ we take by faith a Christ who is so true and so real to us that we are filled in moments of this life with a periodic and expressive joy that is full of glory. Our imaginations must come alive to Christ so that we can see that we live in Him, so that we can turn away from visual vices grabbing our eyes, and so that we can live by faith and share a present joy. And listen to this. In the end, I wonder if most of the self-destructive patterns in our lives, from overeating, to worrying, to fighting, to overspending, to grabbing our phones first thing in the morning are the result of starved informations, malnourished of hope. How rich is your hope? How great is your hope? How large is the imagination of your hope this year? That great, confident expectation of what is to come this year. So if you, need to, if you need to confess to God your misdirected hope, your false hopes, I, I would encourage you to do so. We're going to stand and sing and, uh, and, and uh, respond to God, respond to uh, Him as He leads us.